This is the legend Keith Chandler, and you're listening to On Conversation. And on this episode, our seventh, we convene at Stirred Up Coffee Shop in Emerald Isle once again to discuss cancel culture. Well, at least as it relates to the All-Star Game in Atlanta. A little later in the conversation, we discuss uh, inevitably politics and does anything and everything have to be political today if it isn't already? Uh, Our sponsor for this episode is State of Dyed, custom-made tie-dye clothing from right here in southeastern North Carolina. You can check State of Dyed out on Facebook at State of Dyed 2017 and on Instagram at the same handle, State of Dyed 2017. Our intro music this week is by Odd Circles. You can find out more about them at SweetSoundsRecords.com. Please, please, if you feel like it, send us some feedback. Why not? On our Anchor page, whatever the link to that is, you can leave a message. Otherwise, feel free to rate our podcast, follow it, tell your friends. It's really tough to put yourself in a sales position to do this, even if you are a legend. Anyway, enjoy the episode. Peace. baseball pulling the all-star game from georgia well let's talk about cancel culture and we're gonna tie that in with non-fungible tokens well we might not tie that in in less than an hour go (laughs) so to give some background if you're listening to this podcast a lot later than it was originally intended to be listened to um, after the 2021 elections, um, the uh, there were there was some idea that there had been voter fraud. There's not any evidence of that legally, but there's an idea that there's been voter fraud. So a lot of the states have done voting laws to restrict voting or to manage voting better. And so um, we're going to talk a little bit about this. So that's kind of the background. Georgia has enacted a pretty sweeping 96-page. They're the only ones so far, correct? No, there's well, there's they're the only ones that have passed one. I think there's a bunch of them in the like 44 state legislators, legislatures. So uh, we're going to chat just a little bit about that uh, and kind of move our conversation forward, for lack of. Anything else to talk about this morning? And so what is the... Other than Easter bunnies, very hairy Easter bunnies. What is the controversy? I mean, I know what the controversy is, but what is the controversy with the the game? So they moved out. Yes. Oh, I forgot to mention that. To protest it, right? Joe Biden omits describing the consequences of the voter law and the implications of it in a very broad way. Um, Advocated for a... Or he suggested potentially that the MLB should move the all-star game out of Atlanta 
Or do they, and, do they switch it around every year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And it was a big deal for it to be in Atlanta this year because not just for like the economy of Atlanta and everything, but for uh, commemorating uh, like the life and legacy of Hank Aaron too, which since he was a a Southerner who played in the North for the majority of the first part of his career. And then there was actually a big thing with the Braves moving from Milwaukee to Atlanta mm -hmm. with him not wanting to go and live in the South, given his experience growing up right. in, I think, Alabama. And then the fact that it was, it became a requirement that when they built the stadium that it would have to be an integrated stadium, which was kind of revolutionary for the area at the time. So the Braves move to Atlanta is actually seen historically as sports pushing social change in the South in like a positive way. So right. like that's been referenced a lot with the the praise of the MLB for doing it, saying that they're they're making the responsible, like socially considerate uh, move towards equality in actually pulling the game out and they're making a a good kind of revolutionary statement in spite of the cost to move the games yeah their their economics and to their fan base which right. baseball does tend to I mean have a pretty conservative fan base and right. player base I think I mean as far as that goes I always thought baseball was the most American of sports. Yeah. I mean, I know it's big in Japan and other countries, but more so than football, even soccer, basketball to some Certainly degree. not soccer. But, but I, yeah. I, I, I certainly feel like, like old-timey, you know, the 30s, the 40s, like baseball was, that was it, man. You lived and died, you know, yeah. on the, the radio broadcast and stuff. But um, So I think anyway, it, it has been such a – so that happened – way back then and I think it's been just viewed as a commercial activity for so long that the idea that it can be used for social change is I mean sports have been used over and over again for social change I can't remember but I'm, there are boycotts of games and just various things that have happened over the years that have that have indicated sports are one of the things you can use sports for is social change mm -hmm. um, and changing the social construction so right. who so who else what else when they're are so there, who, are there, wait, are there indicting other larger companies now to do something oh i think coke has said something and there's been like four or five other really large companies that have said yeah they're advocating for a general or as much as possible boycott of georgia economically wow. and which actually liberal so this, this would be the cancel thing right cancel culture mm -hmm. or, or cancel georgia effectively right. okay. but liberal politicians in georgia have actually said that they don't want people to boycott the state yeah, they have because of great, the uh, negative impact great on peaches. it um but well the uh i would have to say that when you think about there are consequences to the decisions that these legislators make and it's not about patting themselves on the shoulder or getting reelected next year. It's about their constituents. And understand that if you, if you, if there is a perception that you're restricting voting, and you know the a, a major league baseball team, which is a private entity, 
decides to move or the whole system votes to move the playoff games or the championships, then guess what? That is the consequence of you making that decision. Yeah, it is a free market right. decision. I mean, if, that they're and they're making. supposed to be is free the, market people. Is the MLB like the NFL? Do they get all the big tax breaks and stuff too? Or are they actually like a. Because uh, isn't the NFL technically a nonprofit? Um, yeah, there are so definitely like legal are. monetary advantages that the MLB uh, receives that conservatives are not advocating that they don't receive. Because right. obviously that train moves in both directions. I mean, people in Texas seem more... Those are old arguments. Uh, you know, churches uh, have always like been political, segregationist so, or whatever. Yeah. I don't mean like um, racially. I'm like from the country. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, but you know, Georgians could protest. You know, well, we're we're just going to stop watching, which they couldn't because those. You know, we got to have the Braves, man. You know, got to watch the Braves. Well, they can. I mean, they legally, I mean, legally, they could boycott the Braves and right. kick the Braves out of Georgia. Well, that's, yeah, they could lobby for it, sure. Well, and the, the cancel culture aspect of this is the MLB is canceling Georgia, and now conservatives are in turn canceling the MLB. So the complaints about cancel culture um, a lot of times are hypocritical in a lot of ways because it's like, I'm. I don't want to be canceled. I don't want what I like to be canceled, but I'm going to reserve the right to, you know, choose well, what I consume, which is by choosing not to consume, you're effectively canceling. if you come after me, then I'm going to come after you. Mm-hmm. I think if we term it consequence culture would be a much better word than cancel. Sort of like... Yeah, uh, it's a consequence of the decisions you made as a state legislator to do this and understand that there are te- most of these teams are made up of minority players, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so if you slap them in the face, they're going to slap you in the face. But is their owners aren't, though, but they respect their players enough to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Is this an action that's being done as a point of principle to say, I feel like I need to not engage in business with people who are doing this to make a statement of my beliefs or is it actually goal oriented in a way because uh, the question I want to ask is is the best way to get it is this an attempt to get Georgians to vote a certain way by essentially threatening to take away their livelihoods and is that an effective strategy to convince somebody of a belief or to change somebody's vote it is normally the ultimate strategy it's force though it's You're not changing people's minds. You're making them do what you think they should do yes. by by force. Yeah. That's the essence of governance, but in a way, I mean, you make people do things by force. So if you talk about the market, the market is correcting always by force, right? And so, you know, there are consequences to these legislature decisions, and those those institutions are private. That's the overarching question of the cancel culture issue for me is, are we just going to be, um, for, you know, as a vague description, a country divided in half with each side jockeying for enough power to force everyone else to do what they think is right? Or are we trying to be 
a country but where people actually have a dialogue, convince each other, and people social do change is normally forced. You think of the Montgomery bus boycott that forced Montgomery to integrate their buses, right? So mm-hmm. social change is almost always forced. It's well, not. People just won't change. Power won't give itself up. The essence of nonviolence resistance, though, was to cause people to feel sympathy and to change people's not hearts the bus and bro- minds. Not the bus boycott. It was an economic solution, right? They, the, okay, bus, yeah. the bus system went broke, and they had to figure out a way to get it back on. So that's when they integrated it. Right? I'm, so I'm conflicted about the, yeah, about whether or not it's proper to um, change people's actions by so actually controlling and, people's well, actions but even rather if it's, than... Not, you're just saying, you're just saying we're moving our shit. And if, if you want to make it different, then you can make it different. But this is our system of protest. We're a private entity. If you and want this, to engage like with us me, in this society, you have to adopt the same values that we have. Be just like, just like. Well, then, are there are there some things, values, items, objects that let's take racism? I know this is broad and at a base level, but. We all know it's better when there's not racism. So if you force that out, even though you're doing it by force, it won't. It, it, it won't it, leave without force. Is it I still think you're making? I mean, I think there's nefarious a, a, an error in in the beginning. You know what I mean? Saying that that power will give up mm. unless an opposite power is is imposed on it. It's always by force. Okay. The construct won't evaporate. People never give away power. Hardly ever. Entities never give. It's just like getting getting big companies to stop polluting. We had to force them with laws to stop polluting. Mm-hmm. Right? You, we couldn't. I mean, if you look at New York City in 1980 and you look at it now, there used to be a heavy layer of smog around it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and now there isn't because we forced those companies now that made a lot of them leave, right? And like it's like bringing the industry back to the United States. A lot of people, like the industry is highly polluting. Like the, I guess it wasn't last week, the week before when it went dead and we got cut short. I think mm-hmm. we were kind of touching on this because my big pick was that it frustrates me that is with being the apex animal on the planet. Oh, that was a good conversation. How, how we have to be forced into change when we can't just just choose. Even though we have the power, we just don't choose to do it. Like, we can't get it out of our own way sometimes. I mean, it was a little more complex than that. But just the idea that you have to be forced into change, whether it's positive or negative, as opposed to just adapting to it because you know. Well, Heidegger would say something would have to impose itself upon you Unless you're imposing yourself upon yourself. The, um, what's the immovable right. force meets the unstoppable object. That sounds about right. Right. Yeah. I guess. I don't, I don't so know. So Heidegger said words of great th- things have to change your background practices. And normally it's some kind of barrier or force. And, and sometimes it's the force of a, po- a poem or the force of a piece of music or it's the force of a... A new love 
you know, or a new religion, mm. right? Some there's always something you just won't naturally change your background. He says it, a clearing has to be formed so you can see the world anew, and so. Um, well, then, what do you think about the country breaking into four sections? No, it's not going to happen. No, no, wait, hang on. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously I'm being facetious, but. We have four sections, and I don't know who goes Rome where. Rome did that. Right. It didn't I, work very well. I don't know who goes where, but you have the the conservative people who have been vaccinated and those who haven't, and the liberal people who have been vaccinated and those who haven't, and that's it. That's your four groups, one of each. Someone has to feed people. The vaccination's kind of a fleeting issue. Well, it's pretty funny because the European kids are very, very upset that the geriatric generation is going to take over Ibiza for the summertime. Our what? Our visa or bees? Ibiza oh, for the oh, summertime. Oh, 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 okay. Right? Because right. 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 Europe's not going to let anybody travel unless you have been vaccinated yeah. and none of the kids have been vaccinated and they want to go party at Ibiza. They're like, it's going to be like a retirement community. Um, now, we did, we, did, we did actually look. Um, Ireland, if you, if you take a, a rapid test before you go, and a rapid test when you land, you're good in Ireland. They'll let you go. But if you get to Ireland and you take a rapid test and you have it, you have to isolate for 14 days. Um, Zambia, which I would love to do this, um, as long as you have a rapid test before you leave the States and you pass it, you're fine. You can go to Zambia and do whatever you want. What the I fuck would, is Zambia? Zambia? Where the hell is that? That is like um, lower East Africa with Zimbabwe. and Close to South Africa? Uh, yeah. M- m- I think Malawi is down there. Malawi? Uh, yeah. And um, thank you. Zambia. And uh, I don't remember what Zambia's colonial name was. Obviously, Zimbabwe was Rhodesia. Let's go back to the cancel culture. Let's get back to the, to the... What do we do if Americans have irreconcilable differences? They always will have irreconcilable differences. That is the essence of governance. But, okay, irreconcilable differences that manifest themselves in federal politics or politics where everybody is involved in the issue and you necessarily have a situation where one group is going to be imposing their will on another group. That is the way it always happens. You have a, you have a very romantic notion of what governance is. What? I feel like you have a really idealized Where's notion the, of what government is. No, that, that what it could be, right? But mine's not idealized at all. I was just telling you that it doesn't happen unless people have been fighting in our government since the day it was created. If you look at the constitutional yeah. conventions, without Ben Franklin, we wouldn't have a country. Because he pretty much bought people liquor and got people to, to come together you know, hang out with each other because they were all super contentious. Like they're, you know, where's the closest between pisser? the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists and the food line. The closest what? Pisser. Oh, have them unlock the back bathroom. It's not out of order. They just have it that way. The, it leaks. So I mean, it doesn't leak on the floor. It leaks in the tank. So when it's when it's closed and whatnot, they just haven't unlocked it for anybody. I make them. Up. I'm, right. I'm, I'm not walking the food line. Hmm? What? I'm not walking the food line because, uh, but I mean, romantic in the sense that you, you perceive the fact that it hasn't been contentious all these years. No, it definitely has. Okay. But I think that I'm, no, I think I'm being more realistic about the way that people respond to having. They didn't open it for you? No, he said it broke a second time. Oh. The, 
Pretty pissy, they don't. They need to fix it. Now. I don't have any confidence in forcing solutions on people as actually being a solution, or forcing viewpoints on people without actually changing their minds as being a solution. That's my problem. I'm very sympathetic to people not wanting to be forced into action, or that it's not it's not actually a solution when but there are you a impose that you're forced to follow that people generally agree with but that's still force and they're it's supposed to be force. they're supposed to be broad enough that there's a consensus around them look at the drug policy for all these years yeah people have been forced into whatever you know and, and that is that is the underside of, of of using power in that way. It can create all kinds of things running in the background, like black markets and like other things in the background that are not necessarily a, the drug trade or whatever, not necessarily something good, right? But okay, I'm I'm going to accept everything you're saying as being true. So hypothetically, 51% of the population um, imposes. Um, a certain action or restriction of action on the other 49% of the population, right? Uh, you've, you know, In a way, pow power has succeeded, well, right? We could, we could say maybe not. I mean, it, there are minority operations right now with the filibuster and the way it works. Yeah. So. It, it is the thought after that imposition occurs that eventually it, that those, that the people who disagree with it that it's imposed upon that they they accept it or are they do they feel like okay look at the post-civil war south right even continuing to now um there's there, uh there's a break like where you have people who do not who feel um essentially left out of the country in a lot of ways and have felt like they exist in a separate country than the rest i mean well the power that originally i would say flowed through the south from the north at the end of the civil war was cut short and if i i really believe if 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 lincoln's version of reconstruction had happened we the reinvestment in the south at the end of that would have changed the whole Delio. And it would have changed those, the practical effects of that would have changed the way that the people. Mindset. Right. Okay. Because you had, a, a, you know, you had a lot. So you free the slaves, right? And so that creates massive poverty because they didn't, they weren't counted as poverty before. Yeah. Right. And, and so, and, and so that competes with the poor whites that already are here because there is a certainly a huge dichotomy of fabulously rich whites and very very poor whites in the south there wasn't like an in-between no middle class yeah the middle class was taken up with slaves so um so it instantly caused a terrible economic situation right because there's this massive layer of poverty and there's still a few wealthy southerners legislators or whatever and because it didn't completely reinvent, what I thought would have happened would have been there would have been a massive reinvestment at the very end of that. 
as the troops move out, reinvestment moves in, and the mindset would have changed because they would have split up a lot of the large land owning, which they didn't get a chance to do, right? To split up, like confiscate a lot of these large property bases from the land barons and redistribute those two, which is what they were going to do. Redistribute yeah. that 40 acres and a mule. That was consistent. That land was yeah, coming from rich yeah. Southerners who, you know, who were the causes of the war, right? And so um, you could see that that would have worked at the very end if they'd have done that because that would have created a stable economic base. And it would also change the mindset. So, okay, bringing it back to the, the general issue. So you um, create laws, like the majority creates laws. They right. like impose like whatever, you know, morals or whatever um, restrictions that right. they're they're capable of doing that they believe is right on the entire right. population, with the hope being that you you do that now because you know what's best for people who don't know what's best for themselves until eventually they come around to the correct way of thinking? No. Well, what we do is we have a bunch of checks and balances that are supposed to be operating from the time the law is made. From the time the law is thought about, there's supposed to be committees that look at it and all those different things, to the time it's introduced into the Houses of Congress, which is argued over. Then from the time it is agreed upon in one House of Congress and agreed upon in another House of Congress, and then the final check, uh, well, not the final check, but then the president would be one of those checks, and then then it would go out and be operational, and then the judicial system would be another check on it. And do any of those, in your opinion, do any of those still actually function? Oh, I think they they function at a minimal level, which is where they function at for a long, long time. It's really difficult to do this particular experiment. Like it existed very, very short periods of time. Right. I think the Roman Republic is probably the longest republic that's ever existed at 400 years. I don't want to interrupt the deep conversation, but that was an Odyssean adventure <laughs> to get to the restroom nice. in the back of food line. Oh, I bet. I anyway, bet. so short period of time to impose your will on someone else. So, but when you think about that, it's supposed to be experimental. Like, the laws are, are you know, we, we propose the laws from people who need a law to help them do something in their community or do something in their state. So mm-hmm. maybe it's to protect something. Maybe it's to initiate an economic, you know, something. Maybe it's to stop an economic barrier. Maybe mm-hmm. it's for whatever. So a law's initiated. Then it's supposed to be discussed in these greater committees. See, without parties, it would probably work a lot better because the parties tend to have their own boundaries when those boundaries are not supposed to exist in the original function. And it leads them not to entertain the actual facts and consequences of the law. So, So so, and it's 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 just like capitalism would work much better for the people if the if the entire cost of the product was reflected in the price which was the other thing we were discussing yeah, yeah the actual value of, or cost of right. making so something, the way right? adam smith wrote and and proposed the idea of capitalism was that the entire the entirety of the cost of a product would be in the price right and so that covers everybody it's a very moralistic type system it covers everybody but it's not. There's, the cost of environmental cleanup is not in each gallon of gas that you buy. 
So what happens is a lot of those things have been externalized. So the profit grows as you externalize stuff yeah. to the people and or you to don't the state actually have to a, the world. A free market if people aren't right. beholden right. to the it's consequences of their right. decisions right. Right. in the market. Yeah. Because they're a lot of the and they sh they teach you in business school how to externalize stuff, right? And yeah. so um, because that makes your profit better. Yeah. Um, and and so. Uh, yeah, so so if we were doing the law and, and we were actually, you and I were from a separate communities in the same state and we could banter this over and, and, and you know, we were representatives in the House and we could banter this over and talk about it, like what would be good, what's good for your people, what's good for my people, what's good for the state, what's good for the region, you know, because it might boost something in the region that might be good for the people in that entire region, maybe three or four states, and then so it would be, go in a greater and greater level. The only agreement that we have is that we agree that there is the rule of law, which has to happen in a republic. Why, yeah. We agree, we don't necessarily agree that we like these laws, or, but we agree that pretty much we're going to follow the law. Well, right. well, you know, I don't know. Me being the hmm. the optim the, the that's like a tacit agreement when you're born into it, kind of. Yeah, but in but the the economic um, using economics to then force legislation in a particular direction that I mean, in a way, represents not respecting like laws that are passed because if you as obviously like the boycott of Georgia is based on the assumption that there is not a good foundation for the the voting laws that were just passed right because it's based on something that is not true or and alternatively it's people who are not Georgians who are trying to force the state of Georgia and Georgians to make certain political decisions and but the state like, of Georgia is entitled to make its own it is. political decisions but and it, it's and still part but, of the United States of America but it's entitled to bear the consequences of those decisions yeah, but, 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 but should, should all of the people who live in the state who probably had almost absolutely nothing to do with this decision should they be penalized and then why do you have to levy money because obviously Major League Baseball pulling out that's a big financial thing too outside of a symbolic representation of anything it's money but in, in my in my naivete uh, in the sense of being anarchistic would be why do we need the laws in the first place which is I think is fairly obvious because if we didn't have them we'd probably ruining each other we no more bump, than we bump into each other too much yeah maybe than we already right. are because they're then, arbitrary boundaries and then i guess you know it's like one precipitates the other right so like you know you got to have the laws but then to have the law you have to have the governance or to have the governance there must be a law but our economic forces people hmm. to do things all the time it forces them to where they're going to live it forces the kind of car they're going to buy in swansboro it forces, it forces you to pay an extremely high water bill for no good goddamn reason i know that Okay, Pardon what, my language. what if the 49 states decided they were effectively going to, like, I don't know if excommunicate's the right term or if that's specifically religious, but what if everybody just cut Georgia off? Isn't that, doesn't have the same constitutional problems as a secession? Like, would you? <laughs> but that would be the government's then, doing it. Yeah, the governments are not going to do yeah. that. It's only private individuals that could possibly do that. Right, would and you, so would you say then that Georgia's on their mind? 
Well, I think I think if well, let's go back to Charlotte and the hmm. uh, and the the NAAC not the NAAC what is it called the basketball NCAA NCAA moving their tournament out of Charlotte over the bathroom bill yeah oh that was so, uh, a couple couple several years ago right right yeah, and so Charlotte lost two hundred three hundred million dollars the state of North Carolina is two hundred three hundred million dollars right. with that one decision. Um, it also changed the attitude about bathrooms in, in North Carolina, or at least to some extent. A lot, most businesses went to unisex bathrooms when they could and kind of kind of forced, you know, and it also may have had a big, big reason there was a change of the governorship. Mm, yeah, but it didn't, it definitely didn't change the way that people felt about the issue, though. It may have changed the way that businesses we don't even talk it. about the issue anymore that much well no yeah. issue sticks for too long anymore but that's, that's true that's a slightly different topic Ooh, and going back to what you said earlier you were adamant about the fact that sports have always been political or yeah. always been a vehicle for political mm-hmm. things i hear now hear and read more often than anything else people saying something along the lines of the phrase why does X have to be so political? I liked it when X wasn't so political. Can we just get politics out of They X? were political. Well, Their but decisions, people don't think of it as having been political in the past. Any kind of collective decision now. is a political decision. The idea that politics is somehow this thing that you remove from your life, your life is political. Right, well, it is political. How, how about, what okay. you choose That's to not buy the way that is a political. lot of people perceive. Well, it, they're wrong. Think about it. Right? Think about it. And but the, it's how they feel. So, poly, huh? Think about it like, um, but think about it like a product. Uh, and I don't know if I was talking to you guys about this or not. But think about it and the idea that when the when the when the consumer becomes the consumed. So maybe in nineteen. 70 or 60 even though there were things happening obviously when you're watching the news or your media for lack of a better term then you weren't being pitched anything now when the stuff happens you're definitely being sold on stuff no you're always being sold that's no, what media no, does no, okay. I, I, I'm if, not, if I'm you not. did a poll of people and said um, is blank has blank become too political then you you would overwhelmingly get like 70 you know 60 70 percent thing but you would not you would get a minority of people giving the academic answer which is it's always been political or it's inevitably political you can't split the academic answer from what actual the meaning of politics is right so the idea so if, if the teams don't make a stand, that is also a political choice. The, uh, there is no neutrality. In pl- Howard Zinn said you cannot stand still on a moving train. Uh, I would right? like to take the moment to note that the great Canadian rock trio Rush wrote a song about this very topic. It's called Free Will. And, and the lyric is, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a it choice. choice. Yeah, yeah, but that's not the way... I'm, all I'm saying is that's not the way the majority of people perceive it. People perceive it as politics is something that is imposed that's only in the social only because they've been domain. trained to do that. Um, it's I think not. It's the, that politics it's the is the interaction of people. 
You know, okay, like, uh, just real quick example. You know how most people feel about abortion? They feel like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want it to be in my face. I don't want it to be, obviously, it's going to be an issue whether you confront it or not. But the the general consensus or the the feeling of the majority of the population is, I don't want to pay attention to it. I don't want to. That, I don't want to get in arguments. So that about is it. one of the greatest tricks that people. That's what my book is about. Kind of, it's the greatest trick that people have divorced themselves from the idea that their everyday decisions and what they believe is actually political, and it actually changes the function of the country because we are each other's keepers, right? And you, your decision affects me because we're in a republic. If we were in a dictatorship, maybe not so much. But because we're in a republic or a democratic republic, then it does. I don't think it's necessarily a so it trick is, that's been played on people oh, intentionally, is. but a consequence of the way that we live so they, in even, modern times. Even just the way, well, part of it probably has to do with the 24-hour news network, but the idea of the statesman versus the politician. Even those two different words. So you think of a politician, you think of someone dirty that's basically, you know, only for themselves or whatever, this gross person. You think of a statesman who is a, the same thing, right, as and statecraft versus politics, right? Yeah. You see the difference in using the words, but it's, they're basically, like, when, when, which is kind of what Obama tried to do. He tried to elevate politics into a very cerebral kind of realm, which is kind of bad because ev people don't yeah. necessarily think like that. No, he was way and too it academic. Didn't work. Yeah. Well, yeah, he wrote. He was the editor of the Harvard Law Review. Yeah, and none of those, yeah. if anything, those those bona fides yeah. and his intelligence were alienating. Right, and they served right. him very poorly. They were alienating, but in reality that stuff is really true like when you're when you're not making a decision about abortion like and you are making a decision in your mind about abortion your action shows that decision anyway whether you talk about it or not i i'm not disagreeing with you but i'm saying that that uh the reality of that is not something that's going to come naturally to a majority of the population and that's if only you, because they just they haven't they don't understand it um well, That's what my then they, is they come by that no, lack of understanding very, very honestly. No, they've been told that. I, no, I think that. Do you think the Greeks believe that in their democracy? That that politics was divorced from everyday life. I think they were trying to figure out how to I, divorce it from everyday life. I think that the... It was the, a part of everything. Their whole life was the Agora and the no, Forum and the... That that was probably the whole life of a minority of them. Okay, well then... Um, no, in, all in of that, them, in that, but... In that sense, then, can, can... I mean, the average Roman would get up in the Forum and scream and yell and, and raise hell because they thought it was their duty to do that for the state. Can anything anymore not be political can it just be whatever it is i mean obviously you can construe according to brad way. everything is political yes yeah well okay so can anything not be no not not when you're talking about human interaction but see that that notion is love can be political depending on what you love 
that notion is alienating to people because people it's people a type of hate, philosophy people hate politics no, I get they that. hate intellectualism yeah. no, I get that. and every time but it okay, is what we're i the, mean it's what we created everything with here. the typical okay the typical conversation about race or a typical conversation about race is somebody saying you know what i don't i don't see race i don't pay attention to race i don't view it as being a racial issue and the academic response is Everything is a racial issue because race is a, a, a prominent social component. And I don't think everything's it, a racial issue. Okay. All right. So I'm being so more extreme ma- than you would. Well, no, I, there not are necessarily extreme. You're getting, you're squeezing the thing down. Critical race theory would say that every issue is in some way a racial issue. No, they probably say that e- that this every... is social compression, man. Remember the video where you compress <laughs> and then you raise it up. This is social compression, man. So the, the idea <laughs> no, of the p- the political <laughs> is a really broad concept. <laughs> Race is a, is a small per- portion of the political. So I, great I, band I would, name. I wouldn't say necessarily that, um, especially for for white folks the perception of race is they don't perceive their perception of their race oh i would like, agree because, with that because it is in the because of the dominant culture so they are the milieu of what creates a society is that but that right. lack of uh, many racial scholars and many people who are like deeply concerned with racial issues would say that that lack of perspective is one of the things that makes they're right race a pervasive they're right. issue. They're right. Yeah. I, I do believe that. They're right. Because what happens is creating, because race is, is a social construct, right? And by creating it, because there's no gene for the African American. There's a gene for dark skin. There's a gene for curly hair. There's a gene for whatever. But the, the composite of genes doesn't exist as. So race is a construct that we created. Because there are very, very light skinned African American or black people. And and there are very, very there are dark skinned people that are considered white, darker skinned people. My that are considered, my fellow like Italians. Fisk alumnus uh, yeah. Nella Larson wrote two books about it, Passing and Quicksand, very good books. The uh, Harlem Renaissance writer, female, a little lesser known. Hey, <laughs> hey, yeah, that's Fisk. That's a that's a plug for Fisk University. Yeah, yeah. 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 So um, I, but, I accept your assertion that race is a social construct. Right, yeah. right, and so the. But it's well, used, politics is a social the construct. reason why we, we bring it up and we use it is to change. It would be nice if the construct could just kind of dissolve into the, into whatever. Like if, 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 if eventually if we work on it long enough, the hope is that it will just dissolve. Like we will no longer see the, that particular difference. We'll see another difference. Like, and, and there's tons of ways that your, remember your brain is constantly classifying everything because that's how we understand we have to put it in we have to cluster it into groups so we can understand the world right so it is just another way we're clustering it doesn't have to be a dominant way we cluster right so the europeans started that when they were busy taking over the entire world right and so they use that to justify their ability to subjugate everybody divide and conquer right, sort of right. in a way like it's like the brit looking out over the indian plains and thinking oh they're savages as they drink their tea at two o'clock right um i'm not talking about the indians the indians yeah. over there east asian and, yeah east asian indians. not native 
And um, but you think about the reason why they were able to call them savages and everything was because they created those constructs to make themselves feel better about the domination of the world. Yeah. Right. And so, which happens over and over again because that's well, the way we justify. And yeah, the yeah. the in group, out group tendency and the assertion of your your group superiority, mm. I think, is uh, innate to people. And if now, enough, what form it takes is, you know. Right, and, and, and enough people contrived. get together, that force becomes political. So as their decisions coalesce and align, it becomes politics, right? So your decision would be kind of political in a way, just what you do as an individual, but as that coalesces in like decisions, it becomes the political. Um, and there's some really good, I'll, I'll, I'll try to get you some, some, a lot of them are not, not super, there's one by Chantal Muth called On, 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 on the Political. It certainly makes it interesting, but it kind of takes the enjoyment out of some stuff, you know? Well, I, I, and I, would, I would personally agree with the notion that everything is ultimately political, um, but I'm, I think it's important to recognize that the majority of people in America do not like politics. They do not view their enjoyments and their decisions as being either politically motivated or politically impactful. And they just don't want to hear about it but anymore. Every, but every, but their decisions are. So it, it, because it's the, pitched back they to just, them. And because you know why they don't want to hear about it? Because they don't want to be responsible for their, it's all about responsibility. No, I think they, they maybe at a certain emotional level, they just, they don't well they don't want to think about it i think because they it's they don't it want to strikes bear the them as being unpleasant it strikes yeah, them as being it, divisive it, it, it strikes yeah. them as as having negative emotions bound up with it animosity it, it does well no. I, I, I yes, would say it does. accountability and, and responsibility it, yeah, yeah. As but the always, average person thinks of themselves as being thoughtful and as knowing themselves, right? Um, but, that, but that doesn't. Right, but they're not res taking responsibility for their choices. Right, they can be. <laughs> like but they view themselves as taking responsibility, like the not shirking responsibility. Well, then they're they're, they're convoluting the thoughtfulness yeah. and accountability. But, but they think that they're they need to think about. They it. think that they're colorblind, not because. Yeah, yeah. They think that they don't make decisions based on somebody's race, and they don't treat but that makes people them feel differently good based because they don't have to. They don't have to take into account what's happening across town. Mm, it. But their decision is it is creating what's happening they across feel town. Like they're doing, <laughs> thinking, and feeling what's right. Like people don't consciously because right, they don't want the cognitive dissonance. People so, don't consciously avoid responsibility. Right. People like the idea of taking responsibility and having integrity. Right. But so, when they really are, they are shirking some of their responsibility in a republic. I, yeah, I think because, that that's because. I mean, if you want to be, so it's really easy for people to make decisions for you and you to say you don't have anything to do with them. You are not responsible for who you voted for. You're not responsible for helping out in the community. You just are, you're not even responsible for paying the taxes that you owe. You figure out every way to get out of paying the taxes that you owe. But psychologically, people aren't going, wow, I just love not having responsibility. Because I just they, love because, not making decisions. Because they've they, People themselves. love making decisions you, and taking responsibility. They really don't. Well, so what happens is because it's, it's, your brain is really, really efficient and it does not want to be rational. 
I mean, if you read Daniel Kahneman's book, it helps out a lot. So it's not necessarily laziness or, or it's just the natural, the natural state of humans. Their, their, their bodies are super efficient and they want to use the least amount of energy to get something done. I'm telling you, man, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm micro, micro movements over time have, have made us be less accountable to ourselves and to each other. We, we, we think we're doing it. We think, oh, I think deeply. I feel responsible. Da, 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 da. But most people truly aren't and couldn't face the music if they had to. And when they do, a lot of people crack under pressure. And yeah. even and, and now, and, and, and I'm telling you, man, it's the way it's pitched. Just like the, the idea of, well, this is, you know, X is more political than it used to be because of the way it's being pitched to you and the micro movements of, of media and the way we've allowed it, not taking accountability for it, and the way we've allowed it. It's, uh, uh, my bu- one, I have one buddy that's, you know, man, the media this, the media that, because we've allowed it, because we won't take responsibility for it, because it's entertaining. Well, we live in an unnatural environment that doesn't demand that we take responsibility for our actions, because it's not... it. It doesn't have. It doesn't present us with the same consequences it's not that we're supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, and then we'd have to. We'd have to, to really it. think about things. People would be having panic attacks. Well, I don't want people necessarily to be responsible yeah. for every nth of their lives, but I want them to be able to see themselves as a part of self-governance, right? And so that that you know they don't have to like be worried about their decisions 24 7 because you couldn't live your life that way you have to have some fun you have to be able to make music you have to be able to write poetry i I get up every day and think about my consequences and decisions all the time i know but you don't think about it 24 7 you'd be surprised well you don't need that's part of mental illness (laughs) so okay (laughs) all the time circling back then is it is it good that there are people in charge at the MLB who said that we're going to make, based on how we perceive the situation, we are going to make a moral decision to like harm ourselves economically, and we're gonna like you know effectively draw a line in the sand and say that this is the side that we're on on this issue. Right. And I mean, they're they are making a decision. It's right. a limited number of people making a decision for a lot of people that also impacts a lot of people but does that make it good that actually an issue is being confronted and the decision is being made and alternatively is it then good that conservatives are going to turn around and say because of this we're going to make a a principled decision not to support the MLB because they have decided they are on a different side of an issue that's important to us is all that good because we're actually we actually have people making public vocal decisions it's, that have it is the political implications it is the political. Well, and it depends on they're taking responsibility yes, effectively right but it depends so, on and your if, perception and if they you. get boycotted by whatever they get boycotted by whatever it'll depend on how how much that boycott actually affects them to what they do about it and they could shrink the size of them of major league baseball oh. Which may happen anyway. They have long seasons, man. That's a lot of games. But yeah. but uh, it depends on, depends on your perception. If you agree with if you agree with whatever what's you know you're going to be on the right side of history or whatever you know, if you if you ultimately perceive that that is right, then yeah, then you're 
then it, then it's a worthwhile decision made by the few that affects. And the people many. will be talking about it 50 years from now as being one of the greatest decisions MLB has ever made. Or you know what I mean? Or they or won't. Whatever. It, or they or, won't. Yeah. Or yeah. however. It, Ooh, I'm I'm tempted to get into the conversation of like okay. Assuming that the situation is exactly like they perceived it, that you had a a racist law, so that I'm sure they had a ton of lawyers look at it before they made that decision. Well, the I mean, the thing that we haven't gotten into is what the voting law actually does, right? Well, that was, the, that was whether the one thing or not gonna, yeah, it's earlier. good or bad, and in addition to that, whether or not it is actually racist. I think that a lot of the arguments against the MLBs pulling out have emphasized that the law is not does not do the things and is not as bad as for instance it was represented to be by Joe Biden but from a moral perspective assume that the raw, the law is racist and the MLB is hurting themselves economically in order to object to racism that seems very morally good right you can debate whether or not their perception is accurate or their interpretation of the law is accurate but if that's truly what they're doing then it does seem very moral right all right very quickly then because we have i think a little time left so let's let's just touch on this really really quick the nft thing because it's because it's disassociative in its nature which maybe what has to happen in these things that's what i've been wondering the whole time is if you break this up you have if you add more parties right and in, po- in politics then right you get more conversations so with the nft thing being bitcoin based and it's decentralized i guess is what i'm going for so real quick let's chat about this before you have to go or we got to stop so i know that's a complete gear switch but maybe we should talk about that next time okay because I want you guys to read the article. I've got to find the article first, but about the people that invented it. And it was invented at a like a programmer's convention in 24 hours, hmm. right? Because they wanted to, you know, it's like who invented the coolest thing? And so they got together, invented these things. And it, what it was, it was artists that were also programmers. Hmm. So um, I think if you read the article, you'll have a little bit more of the idea of what they tried to do and how far it is from that mark, Mm -hmm. because actually the blockchain can't hold the art. It actually holds a link. Most of them just hold links to the art. So therefore it's not permanent because if the link fails or if the website fails that holds the original piece of art, then the token only holds, it's not enough space to hold the entire digital copy of the art. Okay, uh, so without that's getting, a problem. With them without getting into the depths. So that's what yeah. he's saying. Yeah. So it's using a cheat, and you would understand it more because you're a programmer, but it's using a cheat to create Damn. the spot. Right. I yeah. hate that. Distortions of everyday I life. Thought well, it was what happened? Whole, no, I literally, I know right. what you're saying. I thought it was the whole damn thing. Okay, my, okay, my initial They said it could possibly be the whole thing, but they don't, no one's written that yet. They've just gone with whatever they invented in the beginning, and it wasn't, it was for like a 24-hour challenge. Yeah. Yeah. My, my initial experience with NFTs was a buddy of mine uh, that I hadn't seen in a while. Uh, we were all at the same place, and I got up, and he was on his computer. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, NFT auction at noon, (laughs) right? And he's doing it from like, with the exact same mentality that he goes into like sports memorabilia and collectibles, Mm. right? And he's really Mm. big on that stuff. And so Mm. he's 
putting up money for this MFT, NFT auction. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? But yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to yeah wrap my head around it. But but I think this article, it's not super long. You'll probably understand it more than I did. Um, if I can find it on my pad, I'll send it to you guys. Um, or you could just probably type in how NFTs were originally created. Um, but it was like from one of these, you might even recognize the name of the challenge. I didn't recognize the name of it, but it's some software where a group of people get together and they throw shit together to try to create something new. Um, I forget what they call them. I hope it's, I hope it's short-lived. I, I think it's a fad and I think it's, I mean, say what you want about art, artificially inflating or, you know, doing stuff like that. But well, I think they were, this is the, the ultimate. I think they were trying, what they, what they were trying to do was to have artists make more money with their art. I mean, that was the overall concept of the thing, trying to use the blockchain to do that and somehow. To prevent, us. yeah, okay, so to just to, to just, keep stuff as being like singular and right. people maintaining digital actual ownership is, is over a it. lot harder. And it yeah. went I mean, from, a lot easier just to distribute all over the place. And it went from zero to completely exploited in all of about a week. Dude, no, I, I don't know how long ago this challenge was. Okay, Could have well, been 10 years ago. I well, seriously think that all I'm going to end up doing in any conversation with like NFTs or digital art is just turn it around and just say how it's exactly like how art currently is and has been as far as uh, inflated value or the notion of an exact reproduction of something, the question if an exact reproduction of something is of equal value as the original or what people are actually investing in that inflates the price. Forgeries, I think, is a good conversation. I think if you get into the energy of, so you could get into really ethereal kind of thinking with the energy of the artist and the paint and the room and the time of day and the the time of the year, the time and the century is all drawn into the image of the painting. And therefore, if you have the original Salvador Dali bust of Voltaire, um, you know, disappearing bust of Voltaire, you have like the period of what, like if you rake your hand across the painting, you're in that period of time when Salvador Dali created that, and therefore his mindset, his whatever, versus, like, I have a print, someone gave me a print of that. Yeah. Um, And so, uh, because it's Voltaire, I guess. And, um, you know, so you would have... But that's an argument for it not being exactly the same. Right, it isn't Un- exactly the same. Under the hypothetical of, let's say you make a literal exact copy. Which is easy in digital. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Okay, so, so... That's what they're saying. If you took the dolly and you es- et- essentially cloned it, right. like, let's say, down to, you know, same age, you know, same, you know, constituent elements, everything, right? Is it, is it worth the same amount? Is it actually the same? I gave you a one of twenty-five cassette tape the other day. That may be worth something. You have to type it. You have to put <laughs> someday. It on, you have to sign it. And oh, put it is. It on yeah, thing. it's marked. Yeah. yeah, is mine? Yes. Okay. Is his higher than mine? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I or alternatively lower? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. I don't remember. So, but I think if we, so, the difference of that would be the value of the artist actually creating it and pushing a button and duplicating the so in theory if you had the original 
copy of the digital artwork. You would have the time, the place, the person who created it. Even though they created it on a machine, it's still in California, the 12th of June. That's There's fires that's, that's happening in the metadata. In the, yeah, that yeah. could be inside yeah. the metadata. Yeah. But if you duplicated it, it would also be inside the metadata. Yeah. So, yeah. so that, yeah, that gets rolled up into the duplication. Especially if it's in the blockchain, right? It's supposed to hold all, at least the information. Right. It brings up the question of what people actually value about art. Here, okay, well, here's, here's the... Maybe well, we there's can, a bunch of different things. Yeah. So some of it is beauty, aesthetic. Some I mean, of it is scarcity. Some of it is, you know... Uh, well, allegedly a... a a home on Mars, a digital home on Mars, looked like something out of um, like Wolfenstein, which is an old computer game used to navigate and all this, sold for a little over half a million dollars. It's just not even a real house. Hmm. And it sold for over half a million dollars. That's interesting. I'm trying to pay my rent. <laughs> And a fake house on Mars sold for half a million dollars. I okay. Well, people I, have been selling the stars for years. Well, I know, but that's but Soothsayers that's but that's and then now companies. That's absurd. That's I, silly. I, you I can agree name with your you. Star. And, and the fact that anyone would value that and pay that kind of money for it, I find I find disturbing. I find well, truly, honestly disturbing. Why is what? Okay, so somebody spends ten million dollars on a Rothko, isn't? Why is that not disturbing? It's still disturbing, but it is a Rothko. <laughs> Right. It's at least it's tangible. Yee. This is a lot better than putting a floating screen on on your like end table at your house that plays. But how tangible is it if somebody you're gonna can have to go to food line? Oh, yeah. That's unexpected. Well, what time is it? Because I guess we can. It's Brad's got to. Say, Brad's probably got to get out of here. So we will continue our conversation on non-fungible tokens. Yeah, yeah, I like this, and I Next like week. The, the overlap of art and sports memorabilia. Which seem like two very disparate things, but mm. I feel like in the commoditization of it and with the N- NFT well, it's like, conversation, it's like getting the Honus Wagner card, you know, one of however many of those Honus Wagners are left. So you know? at, if they do the NFTs and they go like one out of 25, so one of the ways David Yarrow makes his photographs valuable is he does them, he does a certain run, then he retires the negative, right? And so By there's retire, only... Destroy. Well, I don't know if he destroys it, but he does not copy it any longer. And so you have one of 25 of this particular piece of, and his photographs sell for like $10,000 a piece. So they're, they're quite expensive. Now they're of very, very, very interesting pictures of animals. But they're, and by definition, uh, they're copies. But they're just copies, right? Yeah. yeah. But they still sell for that much. Now, they're actual photographs. I, I don't think they're digital. I don't, I, I think they're, they're actually <gasps> this created. This could encompass. Ooh. Okay, sorry. So they're actually created in a big bin, you know, but I'm not sure because they're gigantic. I don't know exactly how you would do that. If somebody bought one of his limited releases for a certain amount of money and then he, under the assumption that he was retiring the negative and then he brought it out of retirement, would they be able to sue him for it? Because he's effectively devaluing something that he sold them under a certain premise well they would still have the second copy of it yeah but it would be less valuable by definition if he made more of it it would be like uh like a record or a tape or something you'd have the first press first press sells out and you have a second now i'm not sure what he does with the negative if he destroys the negative that's a totally different thing yeah um which is probably what i would do 
or donate it to a museum. Hmm. You know what I mean? Or create a non-fungible token out of it and then destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I'm, that's very disappointing to hear that the, the code of the of the items is not... And er- he might just... He might just do digital photography. He may not do any real photography. I don't know. I have to. Well, I have to look that up when okay. we, we, uh, when we convene again next in this week. Most auspicious, dun, dun, dun. most auspicious gathering <laughs> on conversation. Nice. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>